Hey there, it's Mitch here. And before we get into today's episode, our spring membership drive has officially sprung and we've got one heck of a giveaway. When you make a donation in any amount to Vermont Public by March 16th, you'll be entered to win a new roof valued up to $15,000 thanks to Vermont Construction Company. Your support makes everything we do possible. Make a gift today so we can keep bringing you the trustworthy, reliable news you count on day in and day out. To make your gift, head to vermontpublic.org donate. And thanks. From Vermont Public, this is The Frequency. I'm Mitch Wertlieb. It's Saturday, February 10th, which means you're listening to a special weekend edition of the podcast featuring the Capitol Recap. The effect rewriting the state's education law will have on town meeting day voting. We'll find out more after this. The Frequency is supported by MVP Healthcare, offering Medicare Advantage plans made for Vermont and guided by doctors in partnership with the UVM Health Network. Info at uvmhealthadvantage.com. Since lawmakers reconvened in Montpelier, one topic has dominated the rest, property taxes that are forecast to climb 20% next year because of unexpectedly large school budget proposals. And this week, the conversation took a very unexpected turn. With town meeting just one month away, Democratic lawmakers announced a plan to rewrite the state's education tax laws to induce at least some districts to go back to the drawing board and cut spending. If this proposal passes, some school budget votes will be postponed until later in the spring. Vermont Public's education reporter, Lola Dufour, is here to explain for this week's edition of the Capital Recap. Hi, Lola. Hey, Mitch. So, Lola, why are lawmakers contemplating this really drastic measure? Well, there are a lot of reasons why school spending is up so much this year. But lawmakers believe that one key culprit is a temporary tax break that they approved two years ago that's in play now. They worry that it's encouraging school districts to maximize spending this year. So why did lawmakers create the tax break in the first place? Yeah, so it was part of Act 127, which was a much larger revamp of the education finance formula. The goal was to encourage poorer, more diverse, more rural districts to spend more on higher-need students. Now, the cost of that was that more affluent districts were going to need to be taxed at a higher rate. Now, in order to give more affluent districts a chance to adjust, lawmakers capped property rate increases for homeowners during the first five years of the law's implementation – The concern now is that this across-the-board cap was a big mistake, particularly because it coincided with all of these other really intense inflationary pressures that are hitting school budgets. How come? So it's a bit like if a grocery store told you that no matter what you want to buy during this week's trip, your bill is capped at $100. And because of inflation, just getting the basics was going to cost you 100 bucks. So even if you wanted to be frugal, it's, it was going to be really hard for you to spend just, say, $50. Hmm. So wouldn't you tell yourself with this coupon, well, I'll spend $100, but I'm going to get this week's groceries and next week's at the same time. Hmm. And so lawmakers are now scrapping this cap and proposing to replace it with a different transition mechanism, one that's less generous and much more targeted. 
Well, I've got to wonder how the education community then is reacting to all this. Yeah. So school districts are not unified here. Uh, Lawmakers really hate it when it's put in these terms. But Act 127 was set up to create winners and losers. Because the cap encouraged all this spending all at once, it inadvertently sort of made everyone a loser. And what this fix does in theory is create winners and losers again. So there are some districts like Springfield and Winooski that generally like this change. And there are those like Stowe that are apoplectic. But what school officials are all unanimous about is that there are reasons that they're spending more this year that go beyond this tax break. Things like children's mental health needs, soaring health insurance costs, and old buildings that need very expensive work. And so they really want lawmakers to continue the work that they originally set out to do, which is find some additional revenues to take the pressure off property taxes. I talked to Elaine Collins, the superintendent of the North Country Supervisory Union in Newport. Her districts would benefit from Act 127 and from these changes, but she isn't exactly cheering. When we rely so heavily on just property taxes, it automatically pits towns against schools and um, and school district against school district in this particular um, in this particular instance. And it doesn't feel good to be on either end of that equation. It doesn't feel good to be a loser and it really doesn't feel good to be a winner. Okay, so if, if my city usually votes on, let's say, March 5th, would this bill mean that town meeting is canceled that day? No, it would not. Municipal elections and budget votes, those would all go on as originally scheduled. Nothing would change there. On the school side of the ballot, the bill under consideration gives school districts the option to reschedule. It doesn't require them to. Now, if they decide that they do need to adjust their budget, and then they can schedule a delayed vote on it. But other school-related ballot items, like school board elections, those would actually go on as originally scheduled. Will Senning from the Secretary of State's office kind of stated the obvious. This will be messy for them, for those that have already warned uh, budget votes to occur on March 5th. It's going to be confusing to voters, uh, to some extent at least. We'll do everything we can to limit that confusion. Um, And it's going to be a burden on the clerks who are administrating the election. And where does Governor Phil Scott stand on all of this? He has said that scrapping the cap is the right move. Uh, The governor is also okay with delaying school budget votes, but he's advocating for universal mail-in ballots because he's worried about turnout. Now, that's not currently in the legislation being considered. And unsurprisingly, the governor is also using this moment to call for further spending cuts. So what happens next? Well, today, a key House committee voted unanimously to advance this proposal. It still has to go to the full House, then the Senate, and it's possible that lawmakers will quickly achieve consensus, and this could all be done in a matter of just a couple weeks. But it's also possible that the Senate could make some really big changes, and this could all blow up before it even passes the House. So stay tuned. Absolutely, we will. That was Vermont Public Education reporter Lola Dufour breaking down the latest with education funding in the legislature for this week's edition of the Capitol Recap. You can always visit vermontpublic.org for more coverage from our team of reporters at the State House. Lola, thank you so much. Great to be here, Mitch.
Thanks for listening to The Frequency today. Our executive producer is Kevin Trevelin, and our music is by Blue Dot Sessions. I'm Mitch Wertlieb. Talk to you Monday. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.